Good evening, Canes fans. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Rod the Podcast. Tonight is off-season part five. Time will tell. If you finished the 2021 season really excited about the trajectory of the Carolina Hurricanes, you have a Calder finalist in net, a top five finisher in the Norris. Well, next year you get to root for a completely new team. Joined tonight with my co-host, Mike May. What do you think? Yeah, there's obviously been a lot of uh, change this offseason, a lot of change that Canes fans aren't excited about, a lot of change that we should be excited about. We're going to break it all down for you in this episode. We're going to give you our takes on everything and maybe touch a little bit on where we see the franchise going from here. I, I think this discussion, and we'll get into, I, I know the the hot button issue right now is the Tony D'Angelo signing, but I think we're going to start this episode tonight focusing on the players that are no longer here with us in Raleigh. And I don't think you can begin that discussion without talking about a guy that scored one of the biggest goals in Kane's history, uh, Brock McGinn. Yeah, Brock McGinn, character guy, heart and soul of the of the Carolina Hurricanes for a long time. I mean, when a guy like Rob Brandemore always emphasizes you as the guy that he would love to play with when he was playing, like, you know that means something, right? Like, he's a guy that showed it on the ice every day. Did he live up to the expectations of being a potential guy that was a second-line guy that scored goals? Maybe not, but do we absolutely love him for his time in Carolina? For sure. Yeah, you know, he scores that huge goal versus Washington in double overtime in 2019 to win Game 7. Um, but it's so much more than that. I think a guy that oftentimes fans maybe had a little bit of frustration with because uh, he was overslotted, you know, in a top line role. But he's a guy that at the end of the day, when, when Rod Brindabor, not only the head coach, but basically Mr. Hurricane himself, uh, says you embody what it means to be a hurricane. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any higher praise than that. So I know we'll miss Brock. Um, the posts, the killing penalties, the the good and the bad. Um, but I think that was the right way to begin this episode because of anyone else, you know, even Dougie Hamilton, who um, we'll talk a lot about, um, Brock McGinn was a true hurricane and we'll miss him. And it, it yeah. hurts that he's in the Metro. Yeah. And he'll, he's absolutely earned the contract that he got because ultimately in Carolina, he is a, a fourth liner kind of Swiss army knife guy that you expect to play the majority of his minutes on the fourth line and 2.75 million by four years. That's, that's a very heavy burden to carry on your fourth line. And I think he deserves the money he got. I think he's going to get a better shake of being a third line guy in Pittsburgh. And I think he's going to have a really great career. We're going to miss him for a lot of reasons. I wish him the best. And I think I speak for both of us when I say we appreciated the player he was for us for the however many years. Honestly, I can't. No, it was absolutely. a long time. He he is a, a great hurricane, and you know his legacy here will live on for that goal in Game Seven. Uh, outside of Brock, the Canes lost uh, Peter Morazic to Toronto, James Reimer to San Jose. Obviously, Ned was traded to Detroit, as we talked about last episode. Uh, in the forward group, Cedric Paulquette has been signed by the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Warren Fogle traded to Edmonton. We're going to talk about that one a lot. Uh, Jake Bean traded to Columbus. Morgan Geeky obviously selected in the expansion draft. And lastly today, Yanni Hockenpah signs a three-year $1.5 million per deal with Dallas. Mike, initial thoughts. So 
when we talked about this, it was kind of the understanding that Peter and Reimer would be out the door. We've talked about the Ned situation. We'll follow up a little bit more on the goalie situation. I'm happy for Reimer. Uh, you know, got a good contract. Peter, we'll see how that one shakes out. I think Toronto, that's a, a whole different ball game. We'll it was see. a little overpay for me, but yeah, it's is he probably the one B behind Campbell there? It's an interesting scenario because when they came out talking about Anderson, they talked about how they needed somebody to compliment Campbell. And I don't see Mrazic as a guy that cares to be the complimentary piece anymore. And signing somebody to a $3.8 million three-year, correct, yeah, deal, it, it's, that's it's a commitment. It's borderline one money. So, yeah, we'll see how that works out uh, in Toronto for that fervent fan base, which is dire for playoff success. Another former Kane that we're extremely happy for is, is Yanni Hockenpah, who was traded here at the deadline for Hayden Flurry from Anaheim and um, landed a nice deal in Dallas. Uh, apparently his services were pretty well desired across the league. And so for him to get a multi-year deal with such limited NHL experience, I think that speaks a lot about him. Uh, sad to see him go, although he was only here for a short amount of time. Yeah, I think an awesome deal for him. You're always happy when you see a guy finally break into the NHL and get to stick. I think this deal is that deal. He's He's got three years, $1.5 in Dallas. He's going to have an opportunity to be on an NHL roster for the next three years, and I'm excited for the guy. I think he's got solid game. I mean, six, seven defensemen. Uh, he, he provides you with a little bit of physicality. He's a fine skater for his size, not a bad puck mover, all right defensively. I mean, he's for the for one point five million, you're getting a pretty solid contribution to your roster. So I'm I'm excited for him. I don't think too much needs to be said about Cedric Paulcat. Uh, I don't think his time here lived up to what he expected or what the uh, franchise did. You want to talk the two trades that have occurred since our last episode, being in Fogel. And then we'll get to the elephant in the room with Dougie Hamilton. How about that? That sounds good. Jake Bean dealt on draft night, second rounder to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Initial takeaways, what are your thoughts? Well, when you have a guy that asks for a trade, you know, ultimately you want him to be traded. And that's the way I look at it from a management perspective. If a guy doesn't want to be in the organization, if he doesn't feel like he's getting the fair shake that he thinks he deserves you don't want to be a club that intentionally stifles talent you want to give him a chance he had a great beginning to last season towards the end it kind of got worse and worse and worse um I don't think he played terrible he didn't play great he's still a project he has a high ceiling in my opinion and I think he could be a really good top four NHL defenseman I don't think it matches up with Carolina's timeline I respect him for wanting to go somewhere and get an opportunity. Obviously, Columbus thought of him highly. They gave him 3.233, I believe, today. Um, so he's going to get an opportunity to go to a rebuilding team and be a real piece of that roster. So I'm happy for him. I, I, I love the point you made uh, about fitting the Canes window. And, and I think some people get hung up on the fact that this is a former first-round pick and you traded him for a second-rounder. Well, once the pick's made, it's it's a sunk cost. And although he had a, a sterling career, uh, you know, minors coming up through the AHL, defenseman of the year, all that stuff, he's not where this team needed him to be in the NHL. And, and it was kind of exposed 
uh, and the playoffs. So forget the return because the return value is fine because he is now an NHLer and he doesn't, you know, his value doesn't equate to that of being worthy of a first round pick. So, so don't get hung up on that. Is this the kind of deal that could turn around in, in a few years and, and Jake Bean has emerged uh, as a legitimate, you know, offensive driving defenseman, you know, power play quarterback? Yes. And that's the risk. However, as a former player myself, I, I totally, you know, vibe with him going, hey, I need to bet on myself and go somewhere where I'm going to have more opportunity. If you're Carolina, you recognize that he doesn't fit your window. Go ahead and get a valuable asset make a draft pick and you know, we are going to spend an entire episode talking prospects and draft picks. So don't think we forgot about the draft, but I think it just makes a lot of sense for both sides here and wish him the best. I hate that it's another guy that's in the you know division, yeah. um, but he's not the kind of guy that I think the fans thought he was when he flashed in March. Um, but we'll see. I, the, his yeah. book's not written. I, I think it's a fair deal for both sides. Um, and at the any end, other at, thoughts? At the end of the day, like you have to respect the organization for he's an RFA. They have control, and the organization said, "Okay, we hear you. You want to trade? Um, we're willing to, you know, take care of you and get you somewhere to where you'll have an opportunity to play." Not every organization feels that way about RFAs, right? you could have really dug your heels in and said, we're going to trade you wherever we want to trade you. We're going to wait as long as we have to wait to get the value we get. Right. So I think they did well by Bean. I think they're giving him an opportunity he deserves. I think the return is, is good. We'll talk about this more in the draft episode, but with the Canes philosophy, high risk, high reward, you never know when that second, third, fourth, fifth rounder, I mean, sixth, seventh, heck, it could be any round. The way they draft is high risk, high reward. They're looking for dudes at every single level. And when I say dudes, I mean a guy that is going to be an impact player on your roster. They're not as concerned about drafting fourth liners, third pairing defensemen, backup goalies they're yeah, looking they're, for they're guys not just getting guys that might play right. a handful of games in the league they yeah. want guys that can actually impact the roster and game breakers um the next order of business is to obviously talk about the warren fogel for ethan bear trade uh mike do you have any initial thoughts on that so it's very similar to the bean trade uh warren fogel wasn't happy with the role he had within the organization i feel the same way about it as i do the bean trade i think I understand him wanting a better chance. Um, it's not going to happen in Carolina. We discussed that on the, on the, on previous episodes. He didn't beat out Nino Niederreiter. If the, if the team is looking to upgrade the top six, then he's even further outside of that mix. So let the guy go somewhere. I mean, if he can find his way onto Mick David's line, right? I mean, even if it's for 15 games of the season, you should end up with 15 or so points right there. Yeah, right? So. I mean, for me, it seems like the fans in Edmonton were, were pretty disappointed to lose Ethan. And that's typically a good sign for an incoming player. I think when you yeah. look at his analytics, um, he's an offensive driver that didn't produce points, uh, at least last year. And he was a bit of defensive liability. 
So that's concerning. And I, I think the neg- other negative component, which you briefly alluded to, is if somehow Warren Fogle ends up playing with Dry or McDavid, I mean, he's going to set a career high in points. And Absolutely. So this, without, you know, looking into deep into the analytics and expected goals and things of that nature, if you just look at pure production, this trade could turn into, you know, some semblance of a nightmare for Carolina. Regardless, I think that'll be a bit of an overreaction. In Ethan Bear, they're getting a younger player uh, that has the opportunity to, you know, probably going to start in your third pairing as the right shot element playing with Ian Cole. I think that could be a good tandem that should balance each other out pretty well. Any extra thoughts before we get into the Dougie Hamilton discussion? Yeah, so I think Fogel will have a great opportunity in Edmonton. I hope that he has a career year for himself. Um, we'll see more about that as time goes on. I think Ethan Bear has top four quality. He might be borderline top four, but I think when you plug in a guy with his skating and offensive upside and you plug him in with Ian Cole, like you mentioned, as your stay-at-home defenseman, as your third pairing, I think you've massively upgraded your third pairing this year. I think that the second pairing stays the same, right? And Shea and Pesci most likely. Um, we'll talk more about the top pairing the top in a bit. Pairing in a bit. Well, speaking of the top pairing for the Carolina Hurricanes, for the past couple of seasons, it's obviously been Jacob Slavin and, and Dougie Hamilton. Um, Dougie Hamilton, for all the great production, uh, just never seemed to fully convince people that he was a true number one. Uh, he definitely has his detractors uh, in, in the hockey guys' culture. Analytics love him. I know you probably think he was overpaid. I think we can both agree that Carolina's rumored final offer was a bit comical. Yeah. Um, where do you land in this whole discussion? Because for me, and I'll let you go first, it is malpractice in team building, what Carolina's doing right now. So, and we've kind of talked about this, but for me... My greatest fear is missing your window, and I think that this team has a potential to be a team that has a a 10-year window. If we want to be real, if the team makes the right moves, I think you're one of the windows this year, and I think the end of the window is whenever Svetch's long-term deal is up. So if he signs a two-year bridge this year and followed by an eight-year, it, it looks like a realistic 10-year window to me. If you can retain guys like Ajo, the guys that are what the organization sees to be the core, obviously, because they're the guys that they've invested in, I think this team has a really long window. The fear for me, which I discussed with you, is do I think that you're probably getting $9 million worth of value out of Dougie in years one, two, and maybe three of that deal? Probably. Do I think year three is probably cutting it close? Yeah. Do I think year four is going to get worse? I do think there is going to be a substantial drop off in play. I think you're looking at more of the years of the contract probably being way, way, way overpaid than not. And I know you have to pay to win in a window and you have to have bad contracts like we've talked about, but I'm not sure the Canes were fully convinced that this was the bad contract to take to make them a true winner. And 
I don't know how much they think about this because it's not necessarily a winner's mentality, but you look at how a team like Colorado's built right right now and even Tampa Bay to a certain extent, and you say those teams have a really good shot the next couple of years. Once We'll see if McKinnon lives up to his words and takes another team-friendly deal, but I can't imagine it's going to be remotely close to as team-friendly as it currently is, right? And Tampa Bay is going to age out. So I think that they see it as a we're going to be a contender in the short run and we're next in line after after Tampa on the East Coast side and we're probably battling with Colorado. I don't know how Vegas ages. That's yeah. another story. So for me, I think to view it that way it is slightly dangerous because the league is designed for parity. And I fully agree with you. I, I think the Dougie Hamilton contract for those, he got what nine times seven, seven by nine, seven by nine. Uh, that's nine million over seven years uh, for the New Jersey Devils. Uh, I think the first three years of that, um, he's probably going to be worth the money. Analytics says he's worth the money. The next two years, he'll probably be at value or slightly below. And then the last couple are going to be ugly. For me, based on where the Hurricanes contracts are right now, I thought you had a three-year window with this core group of guys because most of those contracts are up within that three-year window. And the way I view team building is I don't care about the secondary and tertiary elements as much. My core of this team is Aho, Svech, Natchez, Turbo, Slavin, Pesci, it was Hamilton, and they, they didn't have a goalie. So for me, you do everything that you can to keep those guys together. You don't let the Nino Niederreiter contract, you don't let the Jake Gardner contract inhibit your ability to build around those guys. Cause if you lose those guys, then your team is taking a step back Yeah. on paper. Although we believe that at least I do the goalie duo of Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta is way more talented than Peter Mrazek and Alice Nadelkovich just on pure regression. We're likely not going to see the same uh, statistical performance from those guys. And in my mind, that is the only point in the roster where this team has improved this offseason. Defensively, I think losing a guy like that, and, and we'll talk about how they replaced him, and I think it's plausible, although we may not like the person they brought in, um, that you can replicate some of his production. I think what we're going to find is they're now, whereas the, when I felt like they ended the season as probably the number four team in the league, they're probably more so in that cluster of, you know, five to 10. And it's going to require Andre Svechikov to jump. But for me and others, young players, uh, Martin HS, all those guys, but instead of you're making the jump from that top four team into being maybe the number one, two, or three team, you're jumping back into that group. Yeah. Because I think you've lost a player. And hey, this puts them in a healthier cap situation to where maybe next year is a, only a slight regression. Maybe the D plays better than I'm anticipating and they don't regress at all. But right now on paper, it's a slightly worse team. And maybe the jump is the following season. Maybe they don't view their window as now. Yeah. They keep saying they're a win now team. 
their moves aren't really indicative of that unless maybe it's the time unless we believe Tony D'Angelo can replicate the offensive performance, at least 80% of it that Dougie Hamilton has provided. So this team doesn't completely have to change and augment how they've played to become a legitimate contender. Yeah. And we'll touch on D'Angelo a little bit here in, in the next couple of minutes, but circling back on Dougie, when you look at what the organization offered him and we can all agree, like even based on what we talked about in previous episodes, they came in way undervalued. I mean, they came under the Krug deal, which was like they came the in at eight. Basement. By, from what we heard, they came in at eight years, six point two million, which is fifty, which is thirteen million dollars yeah. less with one more year of term than what New Jersey offered, which is a clear statement to me, because I don't believe they made that decision off being cheap. I think it is a direct representation of what they see his long long term value of being. It hurts. Let me cut in real quick. I'm glad you mentioned the cheap thing because for those wondering, we, our next episode will probably cover all next step moves. We have a prospects and draft episode coming up, but then we're going to devote an entire episode talking about this front office, their contract negotiations and how we would have viewed team building. So I think that's important because as we slow down, get into the, like the doldrums of the off season, we're going to tell you where we disagree with the league because with the franchise, because we don't just want to be a mouthpiece for the team. We want to get a, a bare bones, honest scope through Kane's hockey that doesn't just, hey, we trust Don and Tom yeah. to make the right decision. Sorry, absolutely. I, I didn't want to cut you off, but I think that's important. No, absolutely. Like we want to look at this from a, a logical perspective of what you and I actually think because there's going to be a million times a plethora of times where we disagree with the front office and we're not in a position where we have to agree with the front office we're not paid by the carolina hurricanes we can say whatever we want and give you guys information that we think is factual and informational so i mean the organization in my book and we've talked about this briefly but public analytics are far different from private analytics within professional organizations. We've heard that from people within professional organizations. All I can really grasp on my head to make this make sense is that their model must really not like 28 to 35 or 36 Dougie Hamilton because there's no other, there's no other excuse for offering what they offered. Right. And otherwise, like otherwise, like that's an absolute massive mistake. By them. Yeah. And it still could be. I mean, it very yeah, well it could, could be. be if D'Angelo implodes as a human being like people expect him to, then you don't have that element. And that is detrimental to this team's potential of even potentially making the playoffs because yeah. you got the Rangers improving. The Islanders have been great. New Jersey's New, improving. New Jersey's improving. <laughs> well, I think the Dougie contract was probably a year too early for them, but hey, they got a young core. They're they're building it the right way. They're still Pittsburgh and Washington. And the Metro, debatably the toughest division league, and any slight regression back can mean you know this team's not even in the postseason. So it, it's a dangerous you know play, and I, I think they're playing the, the lottery ticket approach that they're buying low on a guy with character concerns that 
hey, when he's out there and he's right and he, he's, you know, towing the company line, he has produced. And I don't know, we're, we're going to get to him, but just focusing on Dougie for, you know, one more minute. I, I think we, you know, obviously wish him well in New Jersey, uh, not where I'd want to spend you know, the really next though. seven years. I don't uh, wish him well. Hate that he's in the division. Um, hope he performs well, except when he's playing versus Carolina, and hopefully that team never makes the jump into actual contention. I can agree with that. Um, but other than that, wish him the best. Uh, obviously, huge Dougie supporters. Um, yeah, you ready to talk Tony D'Angelo? Uh, we got to talk about it at some point, so we might as well hop in. So as everyone knows, um, the Carolina Hurricanes front office made the um, questionable, um, highly debated decision to decide or to sign uh, Tony D'Angelo from early of the New York Rangers to a one year, one million dollar contract. Um, D'Angelo obviously has a history of, well, he's 15. He got in trouble uh, for, he got suspended for a racial slur, has a history of incidents with referees and fights with the teammate. Um, not generally the type of, you know, guy that the casual sports fan can understand gets an opportunity in sports. Uh, unfortunately, talent will always, you know, give you additional opportunities. Um, I think we um, are of the mind that this is the, from a pure hockey perspective, this is an easy move for a team to make because the reward is there. And if he does step out of line, it's nothing to dump. Like he's gone. Like there, there's no second and third opportunities here. Carolina has people in the room that have played with him. Jesper Faust, um, Brady Shea, captain, you know, rumors. We know some stalls around here. Um, Jordan Stahl's brother, Mark Stahl played with Tony D'Angelo for a number of years the allegations and things that have been concerned are well concerning. And so I, I think as you know, a small mouthpiece for Carolina hurricanes fans, I think the difficult part of this is, you know, we want everyone to feel included. We don't want anyone to feel disenfranchised by the moves of an organization. We don't simply want to categorize this as a pure hockey move because there is a human element to this. However, if we really are about inclusion, just because a guy maybe doesn't align, you know, with us ideologically, I think we deserve, we don't know these guys, you know, as human beings. And, and so I would just hope that everyone could give him an opportunity, although he may not deserve it, to try and get to know him and see what impact he can make on the community. And then if it's authentic and if it's not, he's gone, man. Like it they wouldn't have made this move if they hadn't done their homework. And I know reporters around the community, you know, press Don and press Tony, uh, to give, you know, explicit details about the work he's done as a human being. Although they didn't have like concrete answers, I'm not sure we're privy to that information anyway. I'm sure, you know, as was said, Tony talked to Don and Tom and Rod. And obviously, as we mentioned, there, there's former teammates and, and people around the NHL that he's played with, not only on this team, but in the league that have you know vouched for him. I don't know him. I'm not here to judge politically. I, I don't care. I'm a registered libertarian. I don't have a dog in this fight. I just think as a Carolina Hurricanes fan myself, since I don't know him, I'm not going to judge him. I'm going to see how he does in this community. 
because I think what is most important is seeing if he can actually show tangible growth. What do you think, Mike? Yeah. So obviously at no point are racial slurs something that either of us Absolutely are going to support or try to defend. They're horrible. They shouldn't happen. It's terrible that it happened. Tony said it's in the last 10 years, it hasn't happened again. I hope that's true. I hope he's grown from it. I am a person of the belief that I want to give people the chance to become better. I think it's better for our country. I think it's better for everyone to give people the opportunity to grow. My heart hurts for all the fans that are affected by the things he's said or done because I know that he's said hurtful things. He's done hurtful things. But I think at the end of the day, I th the best thing that can come from this is Tony D'Angelo truly recognizing how all of the things he's done in the past hurt other people and really deciding to make a change that is positive in the community going forward. And whether he needs to get involved in an organization that helps whatever demographic or however we want to do it. I don't care what he does, but he has an obligation in my book to go out there and be a, not just a sit back, quiet, don't cause trouble, but he needs to be a vocal leader that is positive in the community that stands up for the things that he has hurt, right? He needs to be a voice that says, these things I did are wrong. I mean it. I'm not saying that because it's what I need to say. I'm saying it because I mean it. And he's going to have the opportunity to do so. You know that they're not just going to put him in a cupboard and say, play hockey and nothing. He needs to come out and be a positive part of the organization, a positive part of the team and the community. Yeah. Mike, those are, those are terrific points. And I'll equate it to a scenario that, you know, people thought this human was uh, irredeemable. Um, another athlete in Michael Vick that, you know, obviously went to jail for, for the dog fighting charges. And although racism and dog fighting are not the same, they're both types of cruelty towards others. And what, what did Michael Vick do? He didn't get out of prison and, you know, shut it down. He became very active with PETA and other, you know, dog centric organizations was very much out in front of it and still works with those organizations today. If Tony D'Angelo can come here, you know, and get out in front and be a positive influence in the community, I think that's a great thing. And I think he should realize that this is your less chance, man. Like there's only so many opportunities you're going to get no matter how talented you are. So if he can be a positive influence, uh, in Raleigh, even if he's here for a short amount of time, um, I, I think we should all root for that. Like we shouldn't root for people to um, be monsters. Exactly. Um, he may prove us completely wrong um, and that he's incapable. And I think you and I will be the first two people to say, get lost, man. Like it, yeah. you don't belong in this culture. Um, but I have enough faith in Rod Brendamore, Jordan Stahl, the culture that they've built in that locker room that he's not going to jeopardize you know, the locker room he's not going to jeopardize what they have going here culturally. Um, and I, I think that's, I don't think he is going to be a detriment to the on ice product 
at least from a personality standpoint. No. And he needs to be a better person. And he's, you know, he's sat back and admitted to his mistakes and he said he's apologized for them and that's good and all. But the only real thing that matters is tangible change. Have you changed as a human? I think that if you take a guy like Tony D'Angelo and if you actually have him change and see how his actions are wrong and hurtful, I think that that can be a positive part of society because there are so many people that have those types of views that shut the door and won't listen and don't care what anyone else says to them because it's a fight and it's a fight and it's a fight. I think the more people that change their perspective, it's only going to do everyone better in our local community in the country, in the world, the more people that realize that these things are wrong and that this isn't like a thing I need to say to play hockey. This is a thing I need to actually understand matters. And I believe in change. I want people to change. I want people to become better. I think you can grow forever, right? I think there's always an opportunity to grow. Um, I don't expect him to be welcoming with Oh, I don't think he, I don't think he's deserved that. No, I don't earn that right for me. And you hit the nail on the head, man. You, You really did. There's a significant differentiation between apologizing and tangibly shifting your worldviews and your behavior to assimilate to that, to rectify that apology, to make it tangible. And so for us, that's what we're going to be looking for. He's got to hold accountable, be held accountable for his actions, both past and present. But I think here in Raleigh, let's hope he can move forward and be a positive influence in the community, in the locker room and on the ice. Yep. Now that we've shared our perspective on what we expect from Tony D'Angelo, the person, Mike, give the listeners an idea of what we can expect from him on the ice as an actual hockey player. His game is very similar to Dougie's, to be totally honest. He's probably a better skater than Dougie. Analytics would say he's not as good of a defenseman as Dougie. We'll he's see like how that... Dougie light, but a better skater. And yeah. not as big, but maybe more physical. And more physical. physical, correct. So it's a little bit different animal. If he gets back to his, what, 2019 season, yeah. he was, you know, Norris caliber to an extent. Sure, he, he finished 12th or he, got a vote. Is he, is he a guy that has potential to be a really great defenseman yes if we're going to talk about hockey tony d'angelo has the potential to be a a big player on this canes roster if he is paired up with slavin as which we expect which we anticipate we'll see how it shakes out well as we know with dougie playing with jacob slavin can kind of mitigate those perceived deficiencies on defense yes and i think honestly the biggest benefit to Slavin is more so the fact that he can recover quicker. Mm-hmm. When Dougie got burned, Dougie got burned. That's there it, was yeah. no there was no catching up. The fact that D'Angelo could potentially close the gap quicker and allow Slavin to recover and then make the actual defensive play, I think you might see better defense from the tandem. We'll see if I'm if I'm overvaluing skating or not but yeah you know my perspective i think generally dougie is undervalued defensively um i I think his errors are often highlighted both on hockey twitter 
Uh, and he's just a divisive character throughout, you know, hockey culture. Um, I think Tony D'Angelo can be adequate. Uh, I think, as I said, I believe he's more Dougie light, whereas Dougie was, you know, based on public analytics, basically a, a 100%, you know, a 99% offensive defenseman yeah. uh, compared to his uh, peers. Tony D'Angelo is a slight de- step down from that, but the difference being is Tony D'Angelo's production has like equated to points. Dougie actually always underperformed based on his analytics. D'Angelo, the concerning part maybe is he's overperformed in that capacity. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think if strictly speaking about hockey, if you can get 80% of Dougie Hamilton's offensive production from D'Angelo at a ninth of the price, if you ignore all the auxiliary factors that come with signing this guy, it's kind of a no brainer move. And as we said earlier, like we, we don't want this to boil down to just being a hockey decision, but if they truly did their homework and felt comfortable signing him based on the culture in their room and the feedback they got from his former teammates and people from around the league, it's worth, it's a lottery ticket and it's totally worth it and allows you to lose a guy in Dougie Hamilton who may have upset your salary cap, especially in the flat cap era. And Hey, maybe they're able to talk an eight year deal for Svetch now. Maybe they can bring in another top six forward, which is probably necessary. Ultimately as a, a six person unit, it's slightly less than it was, was last year, in my opinion, but you can argue it's equal. I They're probably that. better in goal, although the, the numbers are going to regress just because it was a statistical anomaly what those guys produced just a season ago. So that leaves us this extra cap space, as I just alluded to. Do you believe the Canes are going to bring in another top six guy? Because for me, that's the differentiator where when you lose a Hamilton, as we've talked about many, many episodes, you had to replace production somewhere. They haven't yeah. done it unless you think it's in goal. No. Um, so any final thoughts on Tony, his impact on the lineup before we talk about the direction of the team and other uh, signings? Yeah, so Tony, obviously, he's not going to be Dougie Hamilton. I think he has a way, an opportunity to affect the roster in ways that Dougie didn't. He's not going to have the same play-driving offensive ability that Dougie has. Um, when I look at the defensive unit that we have, the six players that we have on defense, I think the third line is greatly improved. I Absolutely. think when you look at an Ian Cole-Ethan Bear pairing, a pairing we talked about already, but you got a great stay-at-home defensive presence in Ian Cole with a high upside, top four potential puck-moving offensive yeah, defenseman. I mean, you got great balance on all three pairings. And everyone can skate. Everyone's, and that, everyone that's can probably skate. the biggest differentiator that I'm not, you know, factoring in as much because I'm kind of looking at the analytics of the guys I don't know as well, and I'm going, man, Ethan Bear, like, yeah, I don't know if that's a fit. And but when you pair him with Ian Cole, it's like, okay, like we got some here, an offensive defensive element. Obviously, we've seen Shea Pesci for a while, and, and now you have Slavin D'Angelo. D'Angelo, and hey, I think it may be a slightly edgier group too. Um, kind of, they're going to be quicker. We don't have a, a banger like Hawk and Paw anymore, but they're, they're just positionally. I think the skating is a huge factor and Absolutely. I'm really glad you've made that assertion because like I said, it, it kind of went over my head a little bit or I just didn't think about it. Yeah. And when you lose size, when you look at the, the Kale McCars, the Quinn Hughes, the guys like this, you're like, how, how does that work? And 
part of it is elusive when they're handling the puck behind the net, when they're making zone breakouts and whatnot. It, you can't touch the guys. I'm not saying that's the caliber of skater we have, but when you go away from a Dougie and a Hockenbach, who aren't bad skaters, certainly not great skaters, when you become a quicker team, a team that has better edge work, you're going to be able to get out of tighter spots better. And, you know, you know and it matters. I think that kind of pairs better with the stylistic forwards you have as well. You know, yep. faster, skilled, great edge work guys. Uh, so maybe the there will be a better meld and a fit, even though Dougie obviously had pr- produced tremendously here. It was a little more static, you know, stuff from the point and, you know, his ability to move the puck is how he made up for, you know, not being an elite skater. But I think overall, if everyone skates well, it, it just raises the entire tempo of the team, which is wonderful. Yep. Where tempo doesn't matter as much, let's talk about the moves the Canes made in goal. Uh, with Frederick Anderson coming in from Toronto, uh, two years, 4.5. Yep. And then Antti Ranta likely going to be the backup at two by million. two. I think or one, one by year. two. One year, two million. Um, in my mind, significant upgrade, at least in talent, uh, over Ned and Peter. Um, is this the win now cup contender veteran goalie that I, you know, we thought it was going to be Frederick Anderson, but do we think Frederick Anderson is that guy? I mean, fairly pedestrian numbers, uh, since leaving Anaheim didn't live up to the contract in Toronto. Is he the guy to get them over the hump? Is this a player that we think will play better in the system? I think there's a, um, incorrect notion that even though the hurricanes are good defensively, they don't give up good opportunities, which is, is not true. They actually give up a ton of high danger and their expected goals is way higher than it, you know, it was even just a year ago. So it is pretty goalie dependent. Can Frederick Anderson be that guy? And I, I know we think Antti Ranta is good. He just can't stay healthy. So what are your initial thoughts on these guys? And do you, or do you feel better about the goalie situation uh, push and can he be the guy to get him over the hump? I feel better about it. Um, I think Anderson has been a guy that we've been interested in and have tried to acquire in the past. Drafted him originally, right? We drafted him originally, but that's just a whole other story. Didn't want to come to Carolina. Look what happens. Signs and free agency. Got to love it. We all make errors when we're young, man. It's poetic. So uh, <laughs> you look at Anderson and the Canes have been in on him. They must see what they think matches our system, and they must see a guy that they think is the difference maker for us. He's obviously had down years. We talked about this on previous podcasts. The Canes love him. They've loved him. He had to have been high on their list. We knew he was on the list. He had to have been very high. Darcy Kemper was high on the list. I think they. you look at the price that Colorado paid for him, and you're like, I would have probably paid it but simultaneously if Anderson can be even close to what Kemper is next season it's almost the same dollar value it's close and and we've seen you know in Arizona we've seen Ronta basically be an equal with Kemper even though Kemper was the one it's always just been injury with him yeah Anderson we like him I, I like him you like him I'm just not sure he's it and a guy that struggled, especially in the playoffs for Toronto. I think, although I highlighted there's a little bit of a misnomer about the Carolina defensive system, I think it's obviously a better defensive team than Toronto. So what he's been playing in front of, what he's had playing in front of him. 
maybe this is a guy that will come into this market, which is not the pressure cooker. We, we've won series within the past 20 years yep. where he can be the number one without the expectations of what is the hardest market to play in in the NHL. Absolutely. And I look at it and I see a two-year commitment to Anderson. And I see a one-year commitment to Ronta. And it kind of boils all the way back to our previous discussions about Dougie in the window. And they haven't put themselves in a compromising position. Would yeah, this I, isn't the Bob Roski contract. No. Would I have liked to see them give up assets for Gibson? Absolutely. I think Gibson, I would have been floored. I would have been like, that is a, a game changer of the roster. Yeah, I don't care what his numbers are. That, that guy debatably is the most talented goal in the league, other yeah, than he's, Vasilevsky. Yeah, like, he is he up is, there. They, even with Hellebuck you know, winning a Vesna, people within the game consider Gibson the best American goalie. Yeah. You know, people still expect him to start for, you know, the Olympic team. And it's like that speaks higher because obviously Hellebuck's been incredible. That would have been a game changing move. I think deep down in our hearts, I know we didn't talk about it a ton. We mentioned it, but that was like if Don made that move, Hats send off. it. Like yeah. Hats off to him if he had made it. And I get it. You don't you that they probably asked a lot. They know what they have. He's played on one of the worst teams in one of the worst divisions for a while now so obviously the numbers aren't going to look great like we mentioned we loved him i think those were our three guys that we dialed in at as the 1a being kemper gibson and anderson anderson being the only guy available in free agency it just makes sense especially for an organization that likes to stockpile assets and wants to doesn't want to give up on something that could be a game changer for them when they don't have to. Sure. And I think because they are analytically oriented, they definitely feel like they improved in goal, but they're also not likely to be an organization that's heavily going to invest a significant long-term commitment in a goalie. Okay. So outside of solidifying the goalie tandem for the upcoming season, Mike, you want to go over the, the other signings the Canes made? Yeah. So the remainder of the signings are ultimately depth signings uh from new player perspective you have josh lavo cj smith and brendan smith the first two being forwards the last one being a seventh defenseman and i know we've talked about it but ian cole also brought in yes ian cole we talked about him as a potential partner for ethan bear um love the cole signing think he really compliments bear on our third pairing I see Levo as a guy that's in and out of the lineup, fourth line kind of guy. CJ Smith probably more or less out of the lineup than in the lineup. Brendan Smith as like a hard-nosed insurance policy. Seventh D-man. As your third-pairing yep. defenseman. So. Okay, yeah, I, I really like the group. And, you know, we, we talked about, especially how the defense is probably piecing together. Um, so the, the pivot is, and you'll, you'll notice one pretty much glaring omission no impact signings on the front end and surprisingly they did bring back one of their own they, they signed jordan martinook to a three-year extension the marty party continues the con continues. continues uh I, I think everyone's you know pumped to have jordan yeah. martinook here for three more years uh you know universally considered a, a great guy and a, a great hurricane curious if he keeps the a or if that pivots to aho that's really my only concern with martinook or question concerning martinook uh, anything to comment on there? Man, 
It is an interesting conversation because when we thought he was gone, gone, we, we talked about it. Aho's got the A. We're done. We're done. Conversation We're done over. Yep. I really think Aho's got to have the A. I think that's got to have been part of the negotiation. Has been like, hey, why don't you come back? We want you to not focus on your leadership role. We want you to focus on being a dominant forechecking fourth line auxiliary guy that makes this roster go. I think it's time for Aho to get a leadership role. I think he deserves it. I think his play on the ice already shows as a leader. I think his voice in the locker room will only grow as he gets older. I know as he was younger, learning English and assimilating to a new country, it's never easy, but I think he's starting to get really comfortable. I think he's got to be a guy you see as a, a leader with a letter, in my opinion. No doubt. And I, I completely align with you there. And with, with Jordan Martinuk, it's, hey, come in, be the same guy, bring that energy. You still have a voice and a presence in the room just for the direction and ascent of the franchise. Our best player needs to wear a letter. It's time. He's put, you know, the years he's and he's it. grown. It, it, it's his now. And I think Martinuk especially after seeing kind of what he thought the writing was on the wall for his time in Carolina to be brought back. I think he probably realizes the A is going elsewhere. We won't know until about October, but but that's just our perspective. So there's two more items to really sink our teeth into. One is, I think we're still a a, a big time forward away um, from, you know, being a true contender uh, and in my mind, that that's a guy that can slot in on one of your first two lines, that bumps Nito down to more of like a scoring third line role. Um, but a true finisher, in my mind, in my estimation, that's what this team needs. Um, I'm not sure who's available. To me, that's probably going to be uh, found on the trade market. Uh, do you agree with that or do you disagree? Do you think they're good where they are? No, I think they absolutely need to add top six talent. Um, I think they're one player away. I think realistically you add one guy in your top six and you're looking at a really, really good NHL roster. I know the Canes were in on Saad. He's since signed with St. Louis, so he's off. I know we are still in on Tarasenko as we talked about, uh, what, a month ago now? No, the the rumor was today that the price is going down because he's not moving and he's got to go. As we predicted, it, it... it's just smells like canes. It smells like a cane deal. Yep. It's exactly what we when talked about. When the price about. drops, they buy low. I mean, yeah. no one's better at buying the dip than this team. Um, I think that's a move we'd really like to see. And even if he's, you know, a fraction of the player he was at his highest end, he knows how to score goals. And uh, I think it'd be a really exciting addition yeah. to this forward group and give him a ton of potency that they've kind of you know, just lacked a little bit of. Yeah. Last thing, roster construction, offseason 2021, heading into the fall. Still not a lot of news about restricted free agent Andrei Svechnikov. Yep, it's a deal. It's I, I, hope, I yep. hope it's something that's either, you know, they got the deal in the table or in the in the drawer, so to speak, as uh, Elliot Friedman would say with the Alex Ovechkin contract. It's already done. We're just waiting. I'm hopeful that they kind of had a, a deal in place and they're just waiting to see where the roster is going to be at this point. And then from that point, they'll decide, okay, here's the eight year deal we agreed on. 
and here's the bridge deal we agreed on. And depending on where the cap's at, that's when they'll move forward with one of those. AKA, maybe, can maybe, you move Gardner? Maybe that's hopeful. Maybe that's me yeah. just uh, thinking that they can add a top six guy and sign Svetch for eight. But um, any thoughts on the Svetch deal? It, it is concerning, and, and this is something we'll touch on when we get into the front office eval and the team building conversation because it it, it is a little bit embarrassing. It, it doesn't mean they're cheap. They're going to be a cap team but how they seem to negotiate with everyone. And that's a more macro discussion. Yeah. But are you hopeful this? I mean, I think we both feel like it gets done, but are you hopeful that the discussion is not going to be such a slog that it seems like every contract seems to be for this team? Yeah. So we, you and I have talked about this. And when I look at the Svetch contract, the number one thing that sticks out to me is you want this guy for eight years. They wanted Ajo for eight years. He got offer sheeted. The organization came out and said there are delays in the contract or we wanted eight years is ultimately what it boiled down to. Ajo wanted a contract done. He was banking on there being a higher cap after five years are up and that he would be worth substantially more than what his eight-year deal was. He was banking on years six, seven, and eight being not nine or whatever that number would have been and, if he and thus done far he looks year. like he's going to be right <laughs> yeah and he, and he sure he certainly has the opportunity to be right we'll see what the cap looks like as that is a super important important piece of the equation um the canes want andre svechnikov they're not not going to sign him there's i'm i mean if somebody hits him with a ridiculous offer sheet he's still going to be in carolina there's no yeah, I mean, way they have the money happening. for it right now. what's yeah. 14 15 million dollars of cap yeah. space remaining one flat cap era no one's going to just come in and do that um he's safe they'll have plenty of time to negotiate with him it's just not something you want lingering over the team as you get into training camp and preseason and sure. you know into the fall if you can get an eight-year deal out of it and you can do it before the end of august and i know that feels like a really long time but if you can get an eight-year deal done and go into September and no no hiccups, then you're looking at a big-time win because you, whatever you, that— You want to establish yeah. some credibility back with your fan base? Yeah. Sign your you know, ascending you know franchise player to an eight-year deal. Show them that you're committed. Do the right thing and take care of one of your own, yeah. and that'll build up a little bit more goodwill because right now, you know— people are freaking out in the streets here in Raleigh uh, about the off season and just don't see the direction forward. Um, I think we're a little bit more optimistic, at least on the on ice product. Obviously there's a whole nother factor outside of that. Um, any final thoughts on the early stages of free agency and, and where we're going in subsequent episodes? Yeah, I think we have work to do still. I think we're going to be looking at a scenario where Jake Gardner is dealt bought out, or put on LTIR. We'll see. I haven't heard an update on the injury or anything along those lines. If any three of those scenarios happen, you're going to receive cap back. If there is a scenario where you receive cap back, you can potentially sign Svetch to an eight-year deal and bring on Tarasenko at a $7.5 million cap hit over the next two years. I think the biggest win that could come out of this offseason is having... The Svetch deal done for eight, bringing on Tarasenko. 
the goal we've talked about the goalies we've talked about the defense i think you add tarasenko to your top six i think if you can get anywhere close to 20 goals from nino on the third line if jordan stahl has even remotely similar production which we expect him to regress but if that third line can come out and really perform and you have nino on your third line and he buys in and you have tarasenko in your top six and Svech is locked in for eight years. As a Canes fan, you have a lot, a lot to be excited about. Well, then your about. forward group's better. Your, your defense maybe is slightly worse or a scratch, and you're better in goal. Even if the numbers don't show it, you're better. So that would put you back in that top tier of teams that I talked about. I don't feel they're with right now. Long way to go. Don't, don't judge all the roster moves. You know, as a final product, you still got... You know, a couple months until October till they even get into training camp uh, with the season starting uh, October 14th versus the Islanders. Um, Mike, final thoughts? I think we are witnessing a work in progress. It's a puzzle. All the pieces as haven't been put together. I know things are absolutely stressful in the Canes fandom. Um, yeah, people have every right to feel hurt and disenfranchised yeah. right now and, and questioning what's going on. I, I th- It's not wrong for people to think that, but, you know, stay the course. Uh, although we are not, you know, mouthpieces for the team, I, all they've done since Dundon took over is win. And so maybe maybe they know something we don't. And I, that's what I keep coming back to. Um, just trust in the process and because the product's been good. Now, do I believe these current practices can get you over the top? I'm a little more iffy about that. But we'll I, think they, about I that. think they can we'll get you a contender. And I think that's the perfect way to kind of end this episode. Because I think next time we're going to talk, you know, news, current news, but also get into the real deep dive into evaluating this front office and their questionable negotiation and team building techniques. And we're, we're going to be very transparent and kind of dive right in and it's probably not going to be the most, uh, you know, positive, you know, despite the results, probably not going to be the most positive reflection of, of how we think a team should be operated. Uh, but it will be a fun discussion and super collaborative. Um, I'm excited for it. What about you, Mike? I'm excited and we'll dive in and you guys can let us know how you feel about yeah, it. Yeah, Please mm-hmm. jump in on yeah. social. Tell us what we got wrong, what we got right. Yep. Um, tell us we're stupid. That's okay too. Yeah. We're here for it. Tell them where to find us, Mike. You can follow us on Instagram at the rod, the podcast and on Twitter at the podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, follow like, and rate the podcast on whatever platform you are listening on. We are on, but not limited to Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, Podbean, and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening and don't hesitate to reach out on any platform.